and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, I will be talking with our guest, Amy Nelson, the founder and CEO of The Riveter, and we're going to be talking about the new working motherhood. And don't worry, Liz will be back with us next week. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, we'll be right back after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Don't Wait Up, a candid, hilarious collection of essays on motherhood from Liz Astroff, the award-winning TV comedy writer and producer of Two Broke Girls and The King of Queens. In this funny book of essays, Liz embraces the realities of motherhood that no one talks about. Perfect for folks who loved books, like our friend Jenny Lawson's Let's Pretend This Never Happened, Don't Wait Up is an honest look at parenting and relationships for moms who realize that motherhood doesn't have to be your entire life, just an amazing part of it. Available on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. This episode of Spawn is also brought to you by Osmo, a unique gaming accessory that brings healthy screen time to kids of all ages by combining both physical and digital interactions with play-based, hands-on learning. This type of interaction can be extremely effective in teaching kids both traditional subjects like math and reading, as well as socio-emotional skills. Osmo's in-house team of child development researchers work with the designers to make sure every game promotes these skills. Spawned listeners can try out these games for free. Get a free Osmo sampler, which includes five Osmo games for ages 4 to 10 focused on math, drawing, creativity, and spatial awareness. Go to PlayOsmo, that's PlayOsmoOSMO.com slash Spawned to get your free Osmo sampler and see what everyone, including us on Cool Mom Tech, is buzzing about. That's PlayOsmo.com slash Spawned. All right, so let me tell you a little more about our wonderful guest, Amy Nelson. She's the founder and CEO of The Riveter, which is a national membership network of community, content, resources, and co-working spaces built by women for everyone. She's a graduate of Emory University and the NYU School of Law. And get this, Amy practiced corporate litigation with a focus on high-profile First Amendment matters, yes, for over a decade in New York City and Seattle. And she also served on President Obama's National Finance Committee, where she co-chaired Gen 44, the under 40 fundraising arm of the campaign. And she previously worked with President Carter's The Carter Center. In 2017, because she didn't have anything else to do, (laughs) Amy launched The Riveter while pregnant with her third daughter in three years and welcomed daughter number four in June 2019. She is a contributor for Inc. and has been published broadly, including everywhere from the Washington post to the Seattle Times, and now she's here with us. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad to talk to you finally. So we met at this beautiful dinner that you hosted with Sam Edis at Mom 2.0. You were very pregnant then. was. <laughs> Super pregnant with your fourth. So, you know, I'm just wondering, how has the transition from three to four kids been, especially as the CEO of a rapidly growing company? Well, I'm fortunate that I have amazing mothers of four like you to talk to about it. You know, I found the transition from zero to one child to be the hardest because Mm -hmm. I was 34. 
So I'd had, you know, a whole career and a whole life into my 30s before I became a mother. And so after that, I felt like it was just piling the kids on. Like, if it's four or one, what's the difference, really? But um, So this transition has been pretty great. And the baby, her name is Holland, which is my mother's maiden name. Holland is such an easy and sweet baby. And I think what's been really interesting for me was I just decided this time to not ask permission to bring the baby everywhere with me. I just bring her everywhere. And it has made me so much happier. It's been really incredible. Like, I'm taking her on business trips. I'm taking her to dinners. I'm taking her everywhere. And I love it. I know. You've been traveling a lot. I'm a huge fan of your Instagram, and we'll talk a little (laughs) bit about that. Folks can find you over on your Amy underscore Riveter. Is that correct? And that's Riveter E-R. Not that it would be spelled with an O-R, but I'm just weird (laughs) like that. (laughs) I'll spell it out for people. But, you know, you've been extremely open with your daily life on social media, which has included a lot of travel. You know, you've been talking about lack of sleep. You've been talking about nursing, your daughter on the go. Was that something that you planned to do while you were pregnant? Well, you know, I have found, you know, in starting the Riveter, I built it because I needed it. I needed a community and a movement and spaces where I felt like I could be myself and be accepted for that. And a big part of my life right now is being a working mother with young children. And I had never really seen examples of that and examples of it working. Like I very much felt like the narrative I heard in the media was like, it's impossible to have it all. And I wanted to show from my perspective that I wanted to have this career and start this company and I want to be a mom. And I want to do both of those really well to my standards and make it work. And so I think it's incredibly important to show examples of that and to show it working. Yes, it's a mess. I don't know if I can curse here. But oh, yes, curse. please do. We will mark this with an E. It's a show, <laughs> right? Like it's an absolute shit show, but it's my shit show and I love it. But I wanted to show to other women and men, super important to show it to men that it can work in, you know, X, Y, or Z way. And so I've decided to be really open about it, both when I was pregnant and in this newborn phase. And then also from like a very tactical perspective, like I wanted to show women who haven't had kids yet, who want to have kids, like, okay, if you want to breastfeed, like, this is what it looks like. It's literally a full-time job and it's insane. My sister the other day was like, I think you might have too much breastfeeding content. And I was like, (laughs) this is real. Like, I'm just showing all the times I'm breastfeeding. And people need to understand that it is hours and hours of your life. You can find ways to adapt to it, but like, go into it with your eyes wide open. And I just feel like I had none of that information before I had kids. Yeah. I mean, I was 28 when I had my first, but I was an academic. I was teaching college. I had no friends who had babies. I didn't even really want to have kids. I got pregnant and I was like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? And I had no idea. And I think breastfeeding in particular, I love all the breastfeeding content. I am like six years out. My youngest is eight. So it's been a few years since I breastfed. But I remember so many people who would say, especially to women who choose to, you know, formula feed, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's so, I mean, the milk's just there. It's so much easier. It's so much cheaper. And I feel like there are better arguments for easier (laughs) and cheaper when it comes to breastfeeding because it's involved. It is time consuming. It really is. And the thing that frustrates me the most about it, I was thinking about it this morning of how privileged and lucky I am that I can do this and bring the baby everywhere and breastfeed because I was thinking back to when I practiced law And I couldn't do that. And how hard it was to pump in an office full of men, to find places to store my breast milk that didn't feel weird. And I just wish that it was easier for everybody who wanted to do it because it's really not. Yeah, it's not. I found it to be very rewarding. I loved breastfeeding my kids. There were times when I did hate it. Mm -hmm. I did find it rewarding, but I also found it very difficult. And I give my high praise to women who pump full time. I just don't know how they do it. My last, I traveled a lot with my youngest and I was fortunate enough to be able to bring her with me. 
but I still had to pump. And I remember sitting in an airport bathroom. I feel like so many working moms out there can relate to this image of the yeah. woman. I literally just did this a day ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, what am I doing here? Like, how yeah. is this my life? Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate. Also, by the way, pumps have gotten about 6,000 times better, apparently. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What? So I, this time around, have been using a couple different pumps. So I have a Medela that I love, which I use at home and in my office sometimes. But then when I travel, I'm using this pump called the LV, and it's these two pods, and it goes in your bra. And it's quiet. So I can literally do it on a plane. It's crazy. It is unbelievable and life-changing, and it's my favorite thing on earth. It's an early cool pick of the week, actually, because I was going to ask you about that. But it's a cool pick for Cool Mom Tech as well. We featured it, and I love seeing technology being used in this way. Like, we've got enough ways for men to, like, listen to music, right? Can we use technology for, like, how to make life easier for breastfeeders? Okay, so let's talk resources. One of the things, along with being super honest about, like you said the shit show that is early new motherhood no matter how many kids you have you've talked very frankly about resources you've been very honest about your access to them you've talked Mm -hmm. openly about night nurses and nannies and help from your family your staff at the Riveter were you always able to ask for help because I think this is the issue that so many women face whether we have a lot of resources or even if we just have a couple is it something that you grew into as your family grew or maybe even with your first you were just like I need help no 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 with my first, I like fell on the cross time and time again. <laughs> I was not able to ask for help. I was you know, an anxious first time parent. I didn't leave my oldest Sloan with anyone for six months. You know, I took six months off of work and I was with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I didn't ask for help. I wouldn't take help. And you were probably a really fun person then. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a joy to be around. You know, I mean, and I look back at that and I'm like, wow, that wasn't healthy for me, which means it probably wasn't healthy for my baby. It wasn't healthy for my marriage, right? Like all of these pieces. And when I decided to leave lawyering and start my company, I thought it would be hard. It's been a hundred times harder than I thought. Um, but I did know it would be hard enough that I needed to start asking for help. And so then I just kind of gave into it. And one thing that I I talked to my mom and I asked her for help because my mother had retired as a public school teacher. And I said, you know, I want to do this, start this company, The Riveter, and I want to have more kids. And I can't do it unless I have a lot of help. And the best help in the world I could have would be yours. And, you know, would you be willing to, to help me? And she said, of course. And she said, you know, I'm glad that you've asked. And I don't know why you didn't before, because I was a working mom. And I raised you around a big village of people. So my great aunt was my caretaker when I was young, before I went to school. My dad helped a ton. He was a wonderful co-parent. My grandparents stepped in all the time. You know, so my mom had built this village around us, but I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think one of the reasons I hadn't thought of my asking for help in the same way is because I live across the country from my family. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't know if I thought like I could do it all or I had to do it all to be successful and good, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. But truly, like from the minute I started asking for help, I've become a better parent and I've become a better wife. And and it's just asking for help opens so many doors for everybody and for everybody to be healthy. I love that. I love that you're empowering people to do that. When you talked about the night nanny, right? I'm just like, that is so brilliant. Why did I not have like a postpartum doula? Like I had really worked. And I think there are a lot of moms out there. They do a lot before the baby, right? You've got the nursery set up and you have the doula and the classes and all that stuff. And then after, you know, especially like my first, I was far away from family too. I had nobody. And we don't set ourselves up for success. 
And by success, a lot of times that's just like surviving that self-care yeah. that's taking care of yourself. It's not that your baby is suddenly going to speak Chinese in a year. It's right. just that you have a life too. Well, I think it's super interesting in our culture because I, when I was pregnant with my first child, was so focused on the birth. Mm-hmm. Like Me the too. Birth, how that was going to unfold yep. and all of that. And I didn't think really for five minutes about like what happens the next day or the day after other than having a nursery set up. I know that birth is incredibly important, but ultimately when I talk to friends who are pregnant with their first, I'm like, the birth is a day. Yes. Yes, there are risks to it in America, particularly if you're a woman of color, and I would never minimize that. Right. But you get past that day and there's a life. There's your life and the baby's life and your partner's life if you have a partner, right? And you need to think about how you're going to navigate that piece so that everyone remains okay. And so I think it's really important to talk about that. And, you know, I am in a place of great privilege in my life right now because I'm almost 40. I've been working in professional careers for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so I've saved a significant amount of money to be able to pay for the help that I need. And I also had a start in life that got me to that place, right? Because I was born to parents that both had jobs and paid for me to go to college. And so... I started from a place of great privilege as well. And I never want to minimize that part of it either. But I do want to be open about all the help I have because we expect women to be super women. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason. And I'm a person who has organized a village for my life and my kids' life. And it's great for them too. I think we forget that it's beautiful for kids to have different perspectives from different people, to learn things from other people. It doesn't just have to be you. And it's funny, I just read a quote that was talking about help and saying, and I'll look for the source on this, but it was this idea that if we never ask for help, we don't really ever learn because then the idea is that we already know everything and we don't, right? Right. So We know very little. We know very little. And it's funny, our guest, she's an NPR host, you might recognize or Ophira Eisenberg was on a few episodes ago, and she said kind of the same thing, that we make such a big deal about the birth. The same thing could be said about marriage, too, right? Like, we make a big deal about the wedding, and then it's like, oh, shit. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I have to be married to this person forever. <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> but she said, really, what we should be doing is instead of birthing classes, we should be putting people through, like, tactical training or, like, an escape room mm-hmm. with their partner so that they can prepare for what's coming next. Totally. Because... So many of us don't think about that. Yeah. We think about the birth. You, you know, let's talk about resources more because you always acknowledge how hard this is for you and that you still have all these resources. I met you for a night, but I feel like I know you well enough to know that that's very purposeful on your part because you're very yeah. vocal about parental rights as it relates to women, as it relates to people of color, as it relates to people in different socioeconomic classes. So am I right about that? Like, are you are you really keyed into that? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important that we all get keyed into it and stay keyed into it because we make parenthood so hard in this country. Mm-hmm. And when I look at it, like it makes no sense to me because I think of children as a public good. Like if we don't have children, we don't have a future. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm singing like an 80s song. It's okay. But, um, it's okay. Uh, Whitney Houston <laughs> is, is applauding you right now. <laughs> um, but they are a public good and we don't see it as that. We see like motherhood as a weakness in the workplace. You know, we see all of these things as like problematic for adults to be living their lives and they shouldn't be because this sounds very unemotional, but like we we need children to continue growing our economy to continue the way the world spins. And so children are super important and we need to build a world that orients around that and we just aren't doing it. And we're certainly not doing it for most people who work 
in white collar office jobs, and we're definitely not doing it for people who are hourly workers in our economy. And we got we we need to really think about it because we're making it impossible. We are making it impossible. We're making it more than impossible for so many people out there. I feel like parents kind of run the world, right? Like we mm-hmm. we're raising the future, and it is so incredibly hard. Like I think about summer. Yeah, You know, like this whole idea of summer, summer is freaking so hard. It is expensive. Every summer I dread now because I'm like, okay, yeah. what am I going to do with my kids? And I'm fortunate. My, my kids are pretty much out of the stage where they need to have a babysitter every day. But I think of the people who don't have work flexibility and who aren't able to rearrange their schedule. And it is heart wrenching, honestly, because also I don't know about you, but I feel a little helpless. So I'm, you know, in your work in this, in your research and speaking about it, have you found any resources or things that we can do or ways that we can help further the cause of better parental rights, making it more visible? Funny you should ask that because I'm starting to write articles and kind of guidebooks on this because they're not out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking the other day, like, I wish I'd known how to tell my first boss when I was pregnant with my first child because that felt terrifying to me. Yeah. And I went into it from this like very defensive or, oh no, I'm telling them something terrible place. Uh, when you're pregnant, it's an enormous moment of excitement and it should be great. And you should go tell your boss and tell your boss, I'm having a baby. I've looked at the company policies, X, Y, and Z. This is what else I want and need to be successful, both as a mother and an employee here. And just go in there and guide the conversation. But we don't help anybody get to that place. And so what I want to do is create these guidebooks that can hopefully help people as they go have those conversations and as they navigate being a parent in the workplace. Yeah. And that's like the very beginning. I love how you're Mm -hmm. starting from, you know, hey, I'm pregnant because I think so many women feel like they have to be like, but don't worry, I'll be able to do this and I'll be able to do this. And A, you don't know that. Number one, you don't know what's going to happen. And B, I don't feel as though our male counterparts are really compensating for, you know, having to change because of parenting. And A, why? And I guess that's A, B, C. I I know the alphabet. C is why should we? (laughs) I know. Why do we have to? Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm um, a fountain of useless statistics, but there's this like (laughs) women get like a 6% pay cut for every child they have, essentially. (sighs) Like that's kind of how the stats work. Men get a fatherhood bonus. Like they actually are seen as more reliable yeah. and committed when they become a father. And it's like, what the actual fuck? That makes yes. no sense. No, it, 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 right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. And you know what I try to do is I try to talk to my kids about this. I have one son. I have three girls. And I talk to my son in particular all the time. My girls, I do, and they just get angry. And my son is confused. Like it's just confusing to him as to why that would be the case. Like, why do women make less? Like, when you say that to children, especially, like, and that's in a way where I feel like we need to start. Mm -hmm. We need to start with the kids and be like, this is ridiculous, right? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to change the world. I think that's completely right. And then on the other side of it, when they become managers, we need to tell managers, particularly who are men, but also who are women, how to deal with their employees. You know, like, they need a guidebook, too of like, this is not a negative thing. Here's how to navigate this conversation, particularly if you're uncomfortable. Because I also think this is part of it in the workplace. Like male managers don't want to talk to women about pregnancy because you're saying, oh, wow, now I know you have sex, which it's like, yes, hi, everyone has sex. <laughs> but it's just like uncomfortable moments in the workplace. And so I think that's another piece of it. But back to your point, I think talking to kids about it is incredibly important. No, I mean, I like this idea of empowering managers and understanding 
isn't it also about a change in the workplace? And I, and I know this is why you started The Riveter, and it's groundbreaking in that way, because this whole eight to five thing, right, this whole like we have to be sitting in our cubicle. And now, certainly in some jobs, you have to be present. I get it. But in many circumstances, you don't necessarily have to be there. You don't necessarily have to be online eight to nine or 10 to two or whatever. But do you feel as though people are kind of stuck in that traditional model? Or are you seeing more people accept and, you know, make changes to adapt to the changing work culture as well as parenting? I think some companies are still very stuck in the old way of like, we need people to be in their seats from nine to five 30. But I think that companies will have to change. And it's interesting. I think companies are being driven to change, not necessarily by women or parents, but by millennials. Yes. Millennials are just like, no, we are not. This is stupid. We're not doing that. (laughs) Um, And and you know what? And they're right, right? Because technology means we can do this in so many different ways and should be able to. And it's interesting because I came from very old school work environments. And Mm -hmm. this is actually hard for me to change. But at the Riveter, we hold core company meetings between 10 and 3. Oh, sorry. That's my, my baby's crying. She's with me. Um, but we hold core company meetings between 10 and 3 because I know that people have other things in their life and I know that they'll do their job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they want to get up and work from 5 to 7.30 and then be with their kids from 7.30 to 9.30, you know, like that's fine, right? Like I don't care how they get it done as long as it gets done. And I feel like that should be the way everyone kind of looks at the whole situation. But again, I came from an old school work environment. And so I had to be like, okay, I can trust that this can work and people will get their job done. But once I let go, it did, it did happen. It is happening, right? Like the Riveter has grown from zero to 80 employees in two years. And that's because we've created a culture where people can be employees and be humans. Oh, I love that. And I can't believe that 80 employees. So let's just talk about the Riveter. We were already talking about it a little bit. And I introduced you and I spoke about what it was. But for people who are not familiar, who have never heard of it, I mean, co-working space is like kind of like a terrible like blanket statement because it's really yeah. much more than that. So why don't you go from there just to explain what the Riveter is and also where you are, because you are rolling out new cities rapidly. So I, yeah. you know, I know we have listeners yeah. everywhere. So, you know, maybe it'll be in their city soon, if not already. So, I mean, I think the best way to think about the Riveter is we are a modern day union for working women. We have spaces, we have events, and our events are everything from bringing in amazing luminaries like Maria Shriver and Ijeoma Aluo and Cheryl Sandberg, you know, and so on, to politicians who we would talk to about advocacy and issues along that line. Like we just had Senator Kamala Harris in LA last week. Amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, And we had Mayor Pete come through and we had Cory Booker. So we've been able to speak to a lot of, you know, pro-women presidential candidates. Um, And then we have a lot of programming that's kind of nuts and bolts about navigating life and career. And that's everything from like how to ask for a promotion to how to be an inclusive manager at work to on the other hand, if you're starting a business, you know, how to raise money, how to build a social media strategy. And then we also offer a lot of content on those things um, on our digital platform, Mm -hmm. because we really want to be able to talk to everybody everywhere. And when I looked at the world, I didn't really see like kind of a trusted source of media for working moms or parents 
or non-parents who wanted to be taken seriously. So we've really kind of built that for the Riveter. And the Riveter is named after Rosie, the Riveter, from World War II, because I looked at that time as the period when women did define the American workplace. And I truly think we should define the workplace again, because we're almost the majority. We're almost the majority of breadwinners. And like, no one looks at it that way, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And where we are is we started in Seattle, which is where I live. Um, I moved here seven years ago when my husband joined a little company called Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) We're in Seattle. We're in Los Angeles. We're in Austin, Dallas, Portland, Denver, and Minneapolis. We are rapidly expanding across the country and we'll keep heading east. We will be in New York this year for a big conference, which will be happening November 6th and 7th in New York City, which we're really excited about. That's fantastic. I know you got to come my way. I'm waiting. I'm like, she's coming. She's coming (laughs) my way. And so people who are members, talk about these women. So these are entrepreneurs. These are freelancers. Talk more about who you're finding this is resonating with. The people who work in our spaces, about 50% of them are small business owners. And that can be anybody from, I have a blog that I monetize to, I have a life insurance company geared toward women that, you know, employs eight people. Then we also have about 25% of people who are building big venture scale companies, you know, like the next Uber or Facebook. I shouldn't have used those examples. Um, (laughs) So, you know, people building venture scale companies. And then the remaining members of ours that use our workspaces are people who kind of work remotely, um, and our freelancers who, who need space. But we do have a lot of members who don't use the Riveter for workspace. They are members to be part of our community. We have a free membership that anyone anywhere in the world can be a part of, you know, a card-carrying Riveter, a part of our union. And then you get our member benefits and our content and all of that. And then we have members in our spaces that are called just Riveters, and they attend our programming, they network, they, you know, have the social aspect and the learning aspect of the Riveter. And those women span from, I mean, that's what's been remarkable. Like we have women who are in college to women who are in their 70s. And like that is so special and amazing to me that you have this like cross-generational, very intersectional group of women. And it's important to note that we aren't women only. About 30% of our members are people who don't identify as women including, you know, men um, and transgendered members. And it's amazing to have that community with us as well. That's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that I've seen with co-working spaces, um, like early co-working spaces, is that it was heavily men, number one. And as someone who has worked, not recently, but for most of my um, employed history, worked from home, the community is what I miss. But I would go to these spaces and it wasn't where I needed to be. It wasn't mentorship. It wasn't community. I wasn't getting the connection connections and the contacts and the support that I felt like I wanted. So I think that's so exciting that not only the people who are using it as a co-working space, but people who want to be a part of it beyond like what you're calling your union halls can really tap into that. It's Mm -hmm. so valuable, especially for women in the workplace, especially for women entrepreneurs to have those resources at their fingertips. They're so hard to find. And for people who aren't entrepreneurs, like I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is. It's so hard to find people who are there you can call up and be like, hey, listen, what do I do about this freelancer yeah. or well, whatever? Any questions that you might have. So that's exciting. Really- and I know I've seen your launches recently, so I'm excited for what's about to come next. So let's finish up and just talk about time for yourself, because I know that you are doing so much with your business and the community and entrepreneurs in general. But how do you find time for yourself? <laughs> you know, like for your partner, I know. And also you do a lot with your other kids as well. You spend time with them 
and for yourself. So how do you, where do you make more time in the day? How do you do it? We've really tried, both my husband and I have really tried to minimize what our lives look like. And by that, I mean, we have tried to bring as much into the home as we can. Like we bought a treadmill and put it in our garage so that we can work out. And he put some weights in there because getting to the gym was hard because, you know, it'd take time. And we needed to maximize our time as much as possible. I try to get 20 or 30 minutes and on the treadmill like five days a week. And making it into bite-sized pieces has helped me a lot. Because I used to think like, well, if you can't work out for an hour, what's the point? But I can't go to the gym for an hour because going back and forth would take two hours. And so if I can literally just walk into my basement and really quickly get in 20 minutes, I can make that happen. I think the other thing is that we've realized this is a chapter in our lives where we aren't going to have a big social life. Mm -hmm. So our world has gotten a lot smaller in that sense, but that's okay because that's just this part of our lives, right? And we chose to have four kids. We chose to have a big family and both of us have chosen to have big careers. We knew that some things would give. And so, you know, we don't have a big social life outside of spending time with our kids. And then in terms of spending time with the kids, we've decided they're really young. We don't need to put them in a million activities. What we want to do together as a family is swim. So we spend a lot of time at the pool together as a family. Like that's the thing that we do. And this summer I didn't sign my kids up for a single other thing. And that's okay. They're little. Like maybe they won't be Olympians because I didn't start them in golf. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's how we try to kind of orient our lives. I love your posts about exercising because that was always a difficult thing for me was just feeling okay. And and Jill Krause, our friend Jill Krause, She's amazing. yes, another mom of four, has helped with that as well. Just in her whole like 40 weeks of me yeah. I, <laughs> has been so great because I think people feel like, and I don't know, this might just be my personality, but I'm like all or nothing, right? So it's like, I got to yeah. like run a marathon <laughs> or right. like I sit on my butt and binge watch. So I've really been trying to be like, I'm taking one of my dogs for a long walk every day. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm rolling it out very slowly. And I love that you're showing that part of your life on Instagram. And I also really appreciate that you and your partner made a conscious decision, right? And I think sometimes life seems to happen to us and then we're scrambling. And when that happens, I get anxious and I feel, well, out of control. So this idea of like, you know what, right now our kids are little and we're going to spend time at the pool and we're not going to really have a social life. Cool. Cool. (laughs) It just like gives you control. No, my husband is like, when he's um, an extroverted introvert. Okay. He's great with people, but they drain him. Yes. And I'm like a hundred percent extroverted. So us making this decision is him getting to live his very best life. (laughs) He's so happy. (laughs) And it's fine with me because the Riveter, I get my fill of people in building this thing. Absolutely. Okay. So if folks want to find you, they want to follow you on Instagram. Amy is one of my favorite Instagram followers. I'm just putting it out there. It's Amy underscore Riveter. It's R-I-V-E-T-E-R on Instagram. And then for more information about the Riveter, it's the Riveter. Dot co. Of course, we will link everything up on our podcast page on Cool Mom Picks. And we will be right back with our Cool Picks of the Week after this. Well, I'm about to head out on a 10-day vacation with my kids, which means I'm finally going to have a chance to read books. Yes, that is what working motherhood with four kids does to you. But you know what? Our sponsor, Don't Wait Up, the new book by Liz Astroff, is high on my list. It's blunt and side-splittingly funny, which, as you know, fair spawned listeners by now, I always say... 
If I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. Here's the deal. She's an award-winning television comedy writer and producer. You might know the show's Two Broke Girls or The King of Queens. And she swears she loves her kids when she's not hiding from them. We feel your pain. So she decided to put together a book of essays that embrace the realities of motherhood and womanhood that no one ever talks about. You know, like needing to hide from your kids in your closet, your car, or a yoga class on the other side of town, or letting them eat candy for dinner because you just can't deal. Hey, maybe this will give us all a little perspective when we try to get all sanctimony on people, right? So this book is now available on Amazon.com or wherever you get your books. It's called Don't Wait Up. It's described as soul-bearing and an honest look at parenting and relationships for moms who realize that motherhood doesn't have to be your entire life, just an amazing part of it. And you know what? If you loved the book, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, which is written by our wonderful friend Jenny Lawson, a.k.a. the blog S, then you're going to love this. It's called Don't Wait Up. It's on the top of my own reading list for my upcoming vacation, and I hope it's on top of yours. Find it anywhere you buy books. So we are back with Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Amy, you're our guest. You get to go first. Yes. So my cool pick of the week is uh, my friend's Instagram account, Hitha Palapu. She's an entrepreneur. And on her Instagram account, which is her name, which is H-I-T-H-A-P-A-L-E-P-U, she shares every day five smart reads in her stories. And that's really where I go to, like, learn about what do I need to figure out today. And it's everything from, like, very top-of-the-minute news to longer-form stories about cultural things. And it's super helpful and interesting. And I love it. Oh, she's like Facebook without the privacy issues. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So if I'm correct, it's H-I-T-H-A-P-A-L-E-P-U. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to try to say that because that's very tricky, but we will link up. And we love when people recommend other people's Instagram feeds, but that sounds awesome because I'm really not on Twitter anymore as much, and I rely on my husband. He's kind of like this person is for you, so I'm excited to find a new follow. So thanks for that. Yeah. All right, so my cool pick of the week is something we featured a long time ago on Cool Mom Tech. Not A long time ago is like a year ago, and it's something called <laughs> GeoGuessr. Are you, like, I don't know. I feel like we're type A, Amy. Like, are you a little competitive? Very. Okay. Um, This is a geography game, and it uses Google Earth as its source. So basically, you go on, and you'll be dropped somewhere in the world, and you do get categories. So for instance, last night I was playing World, and then I was playing Famous Places, and you just get dropped And then you've got to try to figure out where you are and drop a pin on a map. Oh, cool. I was playing it with my teen last night. We were up until midnight (laughs) playing it. We're a bunch of nerds at my house. So (laughs) if you're a nerd, it's really, really fun. So if you want, like, the specifics, we'll link up coolmomtech.com so you can find it. But basically, like, it has everything from, like, the Eiffel Tower to, like, Arc de Triomphe to the Statue of Liberty and then, like, a zoo of other famous places that I didn't know about until now. And you can actually challenge other people. So if you know someone else who's a geography buff, you can challenge them. Anyway, it's called GeoGuessr. It's G-E-O-G-U-E-S-S-R, no E at the end there. And it's super fun. So anyway, we will link all of those up 
on our podcast page. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Amy Nelson, and our amazing engineer, John Bowen. Don't worry, Liz will be back for our next episode, and then we might actually be taking a couple weeks off for vacation and, you know, just kind of enjoying the last bit of summer before school starts. So, There are a few things that you can do to help us spread the word and support Spawned. You don't have to write these things down, especially not if you're driving, but they really, really do help us out a lot and we appreciate it greatly. So number one, subscribe. You can actually do that right now and you probably hear a lot of podcasters tell you to do it, but what it does when you subscribe in an app like Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify is that... Whenever there's a new episode, which, as you know, we usually drop on Monday nights at 8 o'clock, it'll pop right up on your phone. Number two, you can download or save our episodes. Yes, of course, you can listen if you're on cellular, but why waste your data? Download or save our episodes and you can listen to them wherever you are, whether you're on vacation like Kristen in the boonies or you're just sitting at home like our sponsor Liz Astroff hiding in your closet. You can leave us a five-star review. Those really, really help us. Apple Podcasts sees those reviews and says, oh, this must be a really good podcast. We're going to show it to lots of people. Please do that. And the best thing you can do, tell a friend or family member about our podcast. If you're a listener, then you're already a part of our Spawn podcast community, but I say make it official. Join us on Facebook. You can find our group. The link is on our podcast page, or you can just search Spawn podcast community on Facebook. We'd love to have you join us. We chat about everything and nothing. (laughs) It's a pretty fun and interesting place to be. We would love to have you. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.